broadcasting from just south of Los Angeles, California. This is the Veggie Power Podcast, exploring topics relating to working out, powerlifting, and everyday advice for lifting and living well. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Contorno. All right, let's veg out. Hello, we're here. I am Emma. This podcast is like a month in the making now because I asked her. I'm blushing already. (laughs) My face just got hot when you said me. And then, like 15 minutes before we were supposed to uh, about to start last week, I got rear-ended, and I'm texting her like, "I don't think I'm gonna make it." (laughs) I didn't make it. So, um, and then like 15 minutes ago, she texted me like, "Are we still on?" And I was like, "I forgot," (laughs) but here we are. (laughs) But we made it. We made it. So if y'all don't know, Emma the Stallion, tall, slender, beautiful, muscular woman is sitting in front of me via Zoom. My face can't get any hotter. (laughs) You are looking a little red. So I don't really interview people. The only other person I've had on my podcast is my husband. And it was like comical banter back and forth. This is my first serious (laughs) interview. What Um, an honor. Yes, I have looked up to you. So I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. She's from Cleveland, Ohio. That like innate bond, I don't know, like drove me to you as a power lifter. Um, and I've always loved watching you. And we've like connected on, you know, Instagram friends. And I've met you in person once. And I've just always thought you were really cool. It's always great to meet people who are who they present themselves to be in real life. Because that's always super shitty Very when you're not. <laughs> so disappointing (laughs) so why don't you tell I you know everyone hates this but like a little bit about you and then I have some questions for you too okay um oh where do I start I mean yeah I uh so powerlifting wise I started powerlifting when I was 27 so I got a little bit of a late start um I'm 36 now so I'm very much aged out of it (laughs) but um yeah I started powerlifting in like 2017 I did it for six years my last meet was the current was it this year yeah where I met you yeah in real life (laughs) um but in that I guess like do you want me to go over my numbers now or do that later I have that as a question so we can save it we'll save it then yeah um probably my like life athletic career I was a swimmer a competitive swimmer like from very young age up through high school I played a little water polo in college, but mostly just drank in college and then got away from being active and athletic in any way there. I uh, came back to a gym and after my daughter was born, I was about 22, started running. And that, to make a very long story short, put me in a gym, with, which got me into powerlifting um, and absolutely I fell in love with it. And also like I had a very codependent relationship with the sport. <laughs> um I really I really, I really used it yeah yeah so um but then I got hurt uh which we can talk about later too and it I'm it, I, I can't say that I'm done yeah <laughs> just like I haven't had a drink in like three years I can't say that I am sober like I just don't like it's hard for me to just be definitive be definitive about things um, in that way, but I'm definitely taking a break from powerlifting, um, to make it stop hurting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you feel like it's like imposter syndrome that you don't want to admit that you're done? Or do you feel like it's just like, it has such a hold on you that you don't know if you can let it go? 
I feel like, um, so I've talked to my boyfriend a lot about like, if I really loved powerlifting or if I really loved just being good at something and being a part of something. And I don't know the answer to that question still. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. And I think that since I stepped, since my last visit to the platform, um, I haven't yet gotten really good at something else. Uh, so I, I, I just don't want to let go of being good at something, I think, because that's hard for me. Um, so I am doing other things and I'm, I'm having a lot of fun and, but I'm not like fully part of community. I'm not like anything special in it. It's, I don't identify as that sort of athlete quite yet. Um, so I don't, I think I just don't want to let go of something before I have something to replace it with, which I don't know how healthy that is, but that's definitely how I feel about it. I can totally identify with that. I'm struggling with that myself. I'm still very much immersed in the sport, but I'm thinking about my exit strategy and it's very, very difficult because I've talked about this with my therapist before, but like how, what is my identity without powerlifting? Because I am powerlifting and powerlifting is me. And yeah, it's a very, very hard thing that I'm like, this is going to be my last year at the elite level. My body's fucking, I'm about to retire. Like I can't keep doing this forever. And you know, what does that mean? And I also want to have kids Mm -hmm. and I can't be fucking squat 500 pounds. I mean, I never say never, but yeah, I doubt (laughs) I will be. Um, So So it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think that I was lucky and that I had injuries that forced me to do it because I'd been thinking the past couple of meets, you know, I was having experiences, I guess, side effects to be specific that I, I was not comfortable with, um, but I can't stop. Um, so I have been thinking the past couple of meets that I did, like, is this worth it? Why am I still doing it? Do I want to keep doing this to myself? Um, and I, but I would not have, I would not have stopped because of that, even if like, I mean, I did want to, but I, luckily I got really hurt. And so it kind of made it much easier. I could say like, oh, that's why. It's like being um, in a bad relationship or you want to break up. You just wish your boyfriend yeah. would cheat on you. So you right. can have a like, reason. Give me a reason. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not yeah. going to do it for me. Cheat on me, powerlifting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, and it did me dirty. I always say like, um, you know, I don't want to end my career in a catastrophic injury and, you know, not to... Mm-hmm you know, poke at your situation, but so no, many no, lifters no. that, you know, double quad tear, tendon tear, you know, anything <laughs> I want my, I want a banner for retirement. Like I'm at the height of my career. I'm good. Not that I'm not going to yeah. compete, but not at this level, the drugs, the training, mm-hmm. all of that. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think, Do you think you're still, you'll still compete after like, like stepping back from elite level. So Michael, I have to get the all-time world record finish. And once I get that, which if, if y'all don't know, I'm five pounds away from it. I <laughs> fucked up. I went for like 12 pounds over it. Cause I was, did you? Yeah, I didn't, I messed up. You're so <laughs> I, I, so in open powerlifting, if y'all don't know, is a historical database from like the eighties to now of everyone that's ever competed in almost all federations. I know almost because I competed in NASA, um, natural. My NASA numbers aren't up there. Yeah. yeah NASA's my first there. meet probably better that way (laughs) for real um but I filtered the bet I filtered all women 165 all time by bench I didn't filter it by full power okay yeah so it was my error so the the full power record is 341 336 on my second attempt was a fucking breeze so I went for 352 for my third because it's 350. Um, Allison Hind has Hind or Hind. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, 
she has the uh, bench only record. So that was bench only. Yes. Uh, so my goal is to get it on the second and then I'll go for the bench only on the third. Time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just so. smash two records in one sitting. <laughs> yes. And then I can say, okay, you know, cause then I, I talked to my husband about it and like he wants his pro card and then he wants to be done. And it's like, then you can say, well, they can never take that away from me. Like even if I'm only benching 185. Yeah. Well, guess what? Right. At one time I had the fucking best bench in the goddamn world. So my name is know. still up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right. I want to know. so funny. And go ahead. I was going to say, what gym did you start powerlifting at? Was it OSI? Not OSI. It uh. was LA Fitness. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Powerlifting so. dreams come true. And we're back. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I started technically powerlifting at my first couple of meets. I trained for in an LA fitness because I joined a gym to start running when I lived in Phoenix, Arizona, because it was fucking hot there and I couldn't want, I didn't want to run outside. So I joined an LA fitness to use treadmills. And when I came back up to Cleveland, I started training there and over time fell in with a group of um, people heavily involved with the USAPL and they encouraged me to do bodybuilding, which I did for a couple of years and I, well, I would never do again, but um, they were training for powerlifting. They were doing, a, they took me to meets and I got to see it and I got like, I just thought it was so fucking cool to be strong. And like, I had had such a negative relationship with myself for such a long time. Um, feeling strong made me feel very good about myself. And that was something that I did not ever want to lose like I knew that that was very good for me and so that's the direction that I sort of took from there yeah old school iron is a gym in it's in it's in technically Brooke Park but it's 10 minutes west of Cleveland yeah um it's one of the gyms that we kind of like it was our inspiration for our gym um it's my favorite gym in Ohio and it's just so fucking cool it's powerlifting they have everything you could ever want so much shit do the fuck, do whatever the fuck you want, come in and be a fucking adult. (laughs) Yes. And that was like, we want that. And as we were developing our gym, that was like something we relied heavily on was like the feeling of that gym. Yeah. I think your gym, at least from what I've seen, I've never been to it, but um, like equipment wise and machine wise, you guys obviously like definitely are up there with them and you've got the whole building, but your gym, I think is goes so much further and like your community atmosphere is incredible. And I think that's something that um you definitely leave prompt time on so good yeah. job thank you pat myself on the back <laughs> all right so I'm gonna get into my questions now I could talk to you just all day and the other thing I love about Emma make you read again is that you like I just love your self-deprecating attitude like you don't take yourself seriously at all and people probably are like why is she like this but I fucking love it and it makes me laugh so yeah, much no never pay me a compliment please <laughs> <laughs> I love it um, so my first question was, how did you get into athletics, which we kind of, you kind of had it in, it's in your blood, you know, when, when you love to do a sports, you just always involved, like, you know, you, you were swimming, you were doing this. It was like one thing after another, the evolution. It's like, when it's in your blood, it's in your younger brothers. So very competitive. Yeah. Just in everything, <laughs> like annoyingly so probably. Um, so you moved across the country, well, down the country. Uh, how, how long have you been in Florida now? Uh, so I moved from Cleveland to Tampa in the beginning of May, like May 1st of this year. Okay. So I don't know, six to seven months ago, or what day is it? 
So COVID's been gone for you for quite a while now. They don't have COVID here. <laughs> no, yeah. it, it expired we there. We can't do that. No. Yeah, it was when I was starting to come down here more, it was around when like the Super Bowl was happening. And it, the city was fucking crazy and there were people everywhere. And I was like, man, they really don't give a shit. Nope. And apparently it works because no one gets COVID here. <laughs> so, I know. Over here, we're like, yeah. oh, body condoms in LA. And yeah. we're, we're supposed to be checking vaccine cards to make people allowed to be in our business. Really? That's where I we're at. I haven't heard the word vaccine card since I got here. Yeah. Which yeah. We have don't. mask mandates indoors, outdoors, and vaccination checks in just this county. And we've gotten the health department called on us a couple of times because we don't do that, but it's fucking insane. Yeah. Um, how do you like it though? How do you love um, it? I really, I really like it. I think like, so I didn't come for the city. I've always said like, if I am somewhere, I can make it great because of the people that are there and I just like enjoy people. Um, but the state, like it could be anywhere. I came for Tony. Yeah. So it could be anywhere as long as things are in. It's fine. I'm not a beach person. Like it's very sandy there and it gets in your socks and stuff and it's hot and it sticks, you get sweaty. Yeah. But I do really like, so I've obviously like changed direction in my training and the outdoor sort of uh, swim, bike, run community, like the health fitness people, it's very strong here. A lot of cyclists, a lot of runners, a lot of trails and and meetups and and cool things to do outside and let's talk about that yeah. your new sport mm-hmm. you're trying to play now yeah and mm-hmm. and to say you're not that good at it fuck you because you are <laughs> I mean I, I finished like I, I technically did it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I started doing that because I um so oh, the injuries that got me out of powerlifting I, I basically broke my back um I have spondylolisthesis. You can pronounce that better than me, uh, which I guess is just like, that's the one. Um, one of my vertebrae slipped forward. Yeah. And so the little turtle fin paddles on the back are crashing into each other every time I pretty much put pressure Besides on my choice. spine, which would be, it. yep. And um, the the doctor that I was working with said, okay, we're going to do six months of intense physical therapy. If it doesn't work or if it does not get better, then you need to go get scanned. It's probably fractured. It did not get better. I didn't go get it scanned. I just moved to a different sport because like it's it's been a couple of years actually since like the incident that I would point to it starting happened. Um, and it would come in waves. I, it would hurt really bad. I wouldn't be able to squat. I wouldn't be able to deadlift, and, but it, it would get better. And then it would come back a little stronger but then it would get better and this time it came back and it was getting just much much worse and it was unbearable and it's why I had to squat in sleeves at the Kern um yeah that was so weird it was you were in you were more painful in wraps than sleeves Mm -hmm. which to me I don't know like yeah I was like trying to help you figure it out and I'm like I have no idea (laughs) I have no idea I think my my position squatting in wraps probably just sucks and I couldn't figure it out because making you more vulnerable yeah for as much weight as I was putting on my back sweating and wraps I really wasn't very good at it (laughs) did uh do you know what percent it is like grade there's grades one through four Mm. I I don't know Mm -mm. so there there is uh just let you know so the it's one vertebrae moving forward on top of another and they grade Mm -hmm. them zero to 25 26 to 49 50 to oh, okay. and yada yada um and it mm-hmm. correlates through grades one through four um 
but it's important to know because if you get an x-ray and it's grade one and then next time it's grade three, it's like, uh. yeah. So, um, yeah. and that's probably what was happening with the getting better or worse part of it. Um, but yeah, it's a very scary injury. Um, surgery is yeah. a lot of times required to stabilize the spine. So it's probably for the yeah. best, but you that's started, it's like, usually it doesn't get better. So yeah. <laughs> brace yourself. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're not having any pain yeah. in your new sports? Um, no, no, nothing outside of just like, I mean, it, it, it hurts sometimes, but it doesn't get worse by, yeah, running and swimming and bicycling. No. And Tony's into that too. He is. He is definitely strictly focused on running right now. He's getting ready for, uh, he's doing a marathon. January I'm gonna do a half marathon at the same race and then he wants to do like ultra endurance type stuff um I just it's you're not allowed to wear headphones at those races so it's just a little, it's a little boring um <laughs> but swimming and biking and running all this I just think it's really cool to like do a lot and maybe I'm just connected to that number three I get a new big three I get to yeah. do different stuff <laughs> Yeah. I mean, man, my brain is like cardio. No, but it's a different frame of mind and it's specificity. Yeah. And it's helpful too that like at my last meet, I I never had a problem putting weight on uh, and keeping weight on. I stayed around in preps about 200 pounds body weight, like consistently. And I very easily, my last meet, for some reason, I could not keep weight on and I was forced feeding myself and I wasn't staying heavy enough. And it was just absolutely miserable. And so it was so nice afterwards. I was like, I don't have to eat if I'm not hungry. And I literally, I lost 30, 35 pounds, like in a couple months. And it was just really nice to like be active and not just feel full all the time and feel light and like feeling light makes me want to move it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really fun. I have the opposite problem. I like am constantly making sure I'm at a weight enough that I can cut to my weight class. <laughs> yeah. Well, but. I was still cutting significant, significant <laughs> amounts of weight to 181 at least, yeah. but I didn't do that for the last couple. But yeah, it's been really, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think the the swimming I am only doing because I was always a swimmer and so I'm familiar with it. That's the thing in the sport that most people struggle with because not a, like, apparently not everyone knows how to swim. Um, and it, people are scared of it. And especially because it's in open water. So you mm-hmm. look down and you like see the fish and the stingrays and all the wildlife that you're in the water with um but so that was that's an easy way for me to sort of start out ahead and then um the biking Tony and I ride together so that was also just sort of a natural he cross trains it and I train it and then running is also one of those things that when I'm I'm good at it I love it and when I'm out of shape it's the it's the worst yeah but <laughs> running regularly makes it feel good it seems like you're really embracing this transition, but was there a period of time where you were kind of struggling with the acceptance of this is my new reality or is it just like fun and new? So it's keeping you motivated. I think I had done all the struggling already um, for like probably the year and a half before I actually, before my last meet, before the current, I really had been um, questioning whether I wanted still to power lift, but not knowing what to do if I didn't. Um, like the, the last two preps that I had, the very the thing that made it really bad is I would get, um, what's it called when you, like the, Radiant well, I would game? get ovarian, no, oh. it was, uh, I ovarian cysts, mm. um, 
and I would have this extreme, extreme pain in my abdomen that would, and I've always gotten them. It would be maybe every couple of years I would have, but then in my, my last two meets, it was strictly within those preps and it was consistent. And it was a couple of times a week that I took myself to the ER a couple of times because it was just so painful and I wasn't sleeping and I knew why, but I wasn't going to stop because I had a meet coming and that was important to me. Was it um, from like stress or PEDs or is there any PEDs. that exacerbates that? Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. It made it a lot worse. What's the, I can't think of like what that disease basically is. is Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It made those symptoms so, so much worse. Okay. And it was, I, I could tell like when I started taking this thing that would happen. Um, okay. And that also got worse through multiple preps the first time wasn't that bad the last time was really bad see y'all when you watch instagram people are going through a lot more shit on the sidelines and behind (laughs) the scenes so don't always think everything's great because it's not (laughs) and not everybody shares their most intimate you know things i try to share a lot of highs and lows to help that veneer of reality dissipate that shit is not always easy and it's not always fun and there are side effects and there is pain and stuff associated with being at a high level. If you could give a piece of advice to someone who's struggling with a similar situation where, you know, like I'm about to go through it, where like, I'm, you know, you're going to transition or end the sport at the level that you are or in whatever capacity, you know, whether it's to have children, to move, to Mm -hmm. do something else, what would you say helped you the most? Oh, it's so hard to like give advice to someone who is where I was, because if someone had given me advice, I would not have taken it. (laughs) Um, So maybe it's just to trust your instincts. Yeah. If something doesn't feel right or, you know, if it, imagine that your friend is going through this, what would you tell them? Like, are they being smart? Probably not. You're probably not being smart. If something hurts, then that's not normal. Um, if like, I mean, I had my blood work done after my last meet, it was awful. And, but I didn't feel that bad, but like looking at that, it's like, it, it's so hard to make someone care about like longevity and health when they're chasing a world record or like yeah. when they're when their identity is being strong because that's what's important at the time it's very short-sighted but it is what it is and so it's hard to to make have someone change their entire perspective on like their purpose <laughs> or their life just because you know it's like best in the long run yeah i think but it's like, hard it's like a differentiation between elite level where it's like, you're going for a world record, whatever, like at me, like it's all cops. Like, I don't want to mess my voice up with PEDs. That's kind of like my limit, but I've had other side effects and I'm like rolling with the punches. Like it is what it is. Cause I want this fucking world record where it's like, if I was like mediocre or good, you know, I wasn't at the level where I'm like, I need this fucking world record to, to be okay. Um, yeah, I feel like, taking the risk wouldn't be worth the reward so much as yeah yeah so no guess- and it's like I think that what was I gonna say it's just the, the the what you're willing to put up with too so advice wise I would say if you have been in it for a few years you've been taking some stuff for a while you're having side effects that don't concern you remember what you told yourself when you first started taking them because when I first started taking them I said if I get this side effect I will not do it I, I'm done 
not going to do that. And then it started happening. I'm like, you know, this isn't that bad, but if I get this one done and then that would start happening, I'm like, you know, like whatever. And then with this one, but by the time I got that one, I was really good. And I was like, oh, I'm so close. Like, I'll just, I'm just going to get there. And then it'll be like, you desensitize yourself to all of these promises you made yourself. So just, if you're starting to question if something is not right or not worth it, put yourself in the mindset of where you were, let's say three years ago, or when you first started taking something and be concerned for yourself. Cause if you're, if you're worried or having any questions or concerns, then it's probably a lot bigger than you even think it is. I think that's great advice. I think to take that step back and reflect is excellent advice. I always think about what would I tell as a coach, what would I tell my lifter, um, a former Mm -hmm. coach, whatever. Um, And then I really try to heed that own warning because I always am looking out for the lifter's best interest of their health, wellness, and longevity, not like the record, (laughs) you know? So, and it's so hard to do for yourself because I mean, I don't like, I don't want to say I didn't care about myself, but like I, it, you put your clearly health aside. I didn't yeah right like I wouldn't say that I didn't but I obviously didn't so. yeah yeah but that's so, the the boyfriend cheated on you and now you're okay. <laughs> yeah I know no, you I walked think. away yeah okay. got lucky. so we covered what got you into powerlifting when you were powerlifting what was your all-time PRs and your best or most memorable moment in the sport. It could be a meet, it could be in the gym. I think, okay, so numbers wise, my best lifts ever, like gym and on the platform, I squatted 600 in the Woo-hoo. gym. I benched 319 is my best bench and my best pull is a 562. Um, my best totals, let's see. My best leave total is 1306 and my best wrap total is 1389. So I never got those numbers all at the same time in a meet. I did not. The, the stronger I got, the shittier of a competitor I became. And that's <laughs> like, like I, got, I don't know 191 why. or 198 or both? Um, both. Okay. Both. Or no, those would have all been at 198. I was definitely stronger going up. Yeah. So ranking wise at 198, currently I'm still number six in wraps um, and number nine in sleeves. Uh, at 181, I got knocked down to 18. But it is what it is. I think I was, oh yeah, number two uh, in 2020. The year that no one competed, I did very well. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was good. <laughs> and my best lead squat was 451, but that was at the current. And I only got two attempts because I missed up on the one. So I didn't really get to push it. But I think yeah. I've seen all of your best lifts like online or one yeah. in person. Yeah. <laughs> watch I definitely all. put them on Instagram. <laughs> yes. I watched them all. That's all I put up for like five minutes. <laughs> I know. It's my training log. That's what I say. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's my what bragging about, log. What about your most memorable moment in this book? My most, ooh. Um, oh, for sure was my, um, I won the heavyweight belt at the Arnold the same year that Stacy won it lightweight and set the all-time world record that she set at her last meet and just being there and like as a fan of hers and meeting her and becoming a friend of hers and just watching her do what she did that day and being on the platform with her like I was her, her runner like I was her warm-up act for every lift like I was it was me and then she would lift so all of the people that were there for her also were sitting there watching me because they were waiting for Stacey. But like, it was really cool to be in front of that big group and all of that energy. And it was just a really exciting day. And 
I think that she is the only person that I've ever really been like starstruck by as an athlete. Um, so that whole, that was really cool. And to, to win the Olympics was awesome. That was the first day I really sort of like felt like a powerlifter. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah. I just had that same experience at the showdown was the first yeah. time I felt like, not a, not a powerlifter, but the first time I felt like I was on the other side mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm now one of those people that I looked up to, you know, like yeah. the, the top, top. And it was Which like, surreal. Yeah. It's like, this is fucking cool. Like I finally fucking made it. <laughs> I know. It, it's really cool. Yeah. It's, I wish, I so wish that there was like more of a professional status when it came to the sport. I know they're trying to do it, but it's still very wonky and not, not, yeah, they're getting there. They're getting there. They're working on it. But I just wish with all of the work that we put in and what's involved in the sport, how much of a lifestyle it is, I wish that there was more of an opportunity to make it a career for a lot of people. It would be nice. I mean, what does that take? Like sponsorship money and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the path to- be tough with, with the visibility of PEDs, I think is going to, is going to hold that back, but yeah. hopefully in the future it comes because it is, I mean, they, they're incredible athletes and like, just superhumans. <laughs> yeah. Like it's amazing. Um, so your transition into being a triathlete now, what are you in the gym? I saw you started doing some deadlifts and stuff. What's your gym life like? My gym life is inconsistent. Um, it's not because I don't want to be there. I do. I really miss being in the gym very regularly. And I miss like seeing progress in that. It was really, really hard for me to go back in 30 pounds lighter, having not trained and to see where I was and to be comparing myself to where I used to be. That was pretty devastating, really. And it's still very hard. Like I I benched last week and I was not comfortable doing more than 185 for a single being by myself. And even if someone was there, that was it. Um, So it's, it's, it's hard. And I don't know if I'm going to keep doing the compound lifts for a while. I just need to be in the gym now to make myself a better triathlete. Um, I don't know how to do that. I have only powerlifted for six years. So uh, it's going to be a learning learning experience. But I also, I mean, like I said, remembering back to when you started what you told yourself, like I remember when I started how good it made me feel to get stronger and I get to do that again. So I mean, once you get to a certain point, you stop getting stronger nearly as fast. Um, and I'm hopeful that that I can have sort of like that that beginner experience again a little bit. I just have to to make myself forget about where I was, where I sort of all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there any PEDs involved in the sport that you do now? Uh, certainly not at my level. Um, I don't know, like, and I talked about it with Tony too, like, what does an endurance person take even? Like, what's good? I don't, so I don't know. I don't think that his body weight is not, it, that that's an inhibiting factor. And everything that I've ever taken, I put, I build muscle, I put weight on. And so that's definitely not uh, something that I'm looking to do. I'm looking to go very much the other way. Um, yeah. So I think with, with endurance and with running, it's, it's just more uh, recovery stuff. It's just taking better care of yourself, just being healthier, really. And I think like I'm not at an elite level. And I do think that every sport at an elite level is probably not that healthy, really. Yeah. Even though like we're athletes and, and pinnacles of health, like no, we're not. No, I know. Like <laughs> it just looks that way. 
bodybuilding. It's like people look at them and on. I'm like, they're like six hours away from being in the hospital. Like (laughs) you're most unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. People die trying to go on stage. Like you're, you're most unhealthy when you're up there. Oh, it's the worst. But then, so like with, I mean, cycling, obviously there's the big thing with like Lance Lance Armstrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like obviously there's drugs there. Uh, I don't know what, what they are. I, I don't I, mean, I don't really have a community really of, of people here either though that are in the sport so I've never talked about it with anyone or, and it's just not something that I'm interested in. I think that I'm interested in the sport because that's not such a big part of it um it's it's expensive it, it puts me in pain and it's hopefully unnecessary here no I think that's great I think that's great uh is there um a psychology aspect to what you're the transition into a new sport where you're like, okay, I need to be the bet, like automatically like shooting for the stars kind of. Yeah. Oh, I have repeatedly told myself, like I started, I powerlifted for six years when I started powerlifting. That's where I am right now in this sport. I'm like, man, could I be the best in six years? Like, could I be up there? Could I, could I be winning? I'm like, oh, that's not the point. Like it's fun. You're just having fun. But like, am I? It is (laughs) the point though. Like, I, I feel like there's people who, uh, do exercise to stay healthy. And then there's people who do right exercise because they have a competitive nature yeah. and you want to push your body to its limit. It's a totally different mindset. And I feel like that's what makes people successful in aspects of life, right? Because you kind of translate that yeah. to everything. Whereas like you want to be the best in school and in work and, you know, as in your family and this and that, and it drives you to be better. And sometimes for the... <laughs> detriment of yourself and sometimes for the betterment and but I don't think that there's anything wrong with like starting something and immediately wanting to gravitate towards a higher you know level and so but I think it's going to be important to keep reminding yourself like along the way to not translate what happened in sport A to sport B right and I just need to slow myself down yeah like be patient across offer yeah (laughs) plenty of time I just think this is so important because I don't think people talk enough about people talk about injuries and recovering from injury and returning to sport, mm-hmm. same sport, yep. but not a lot of people discuss, Oh, I need to stop this sport. Now what? Right. And transitioning. Yeah. yeah. And for a lot of people doing nothing is an option. So it's not an option. So finding something else. For me, it was not an option. Yeah. And I think that's so important to be able to, live with yourself and work through the emotional issues because it's almost like a death Mm -hmm. of like a part of who you were there's a lot of grief attached to it for sure Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's mourning it is stress and especially like I mean even and it sounds so stupid but like the Instagram thing and oh my it's my training log but when no one's liking your training log anymore it's hard because that was something that was part of your routine and it's like oh no one cares anymore and I have to do something that's going to make people care now because that felt good. <laughs> I totally and agree. So yeah. It's, and it's both coming, it's both a finding something that that is exciting and that is fulfilling and that you can share and that gives you sort of still that same satisfaction, but also like just repeatedly reminding myself that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I'm getting better about listening to that. <laughs> But um, it, it's hard. Yeah, it hasn't it's, been that long. 
I find myself same thing. Like um, I've been having ups and downs with bench and my shoulders and my body because as feminist as I fucking am, like y'all know me, I don't feel like a 170 pound female frame is meant tendon ligament wise to bench 250 to 300 pounds twice a week, which is why I'm having so much pain. So, um, you know, I, I took some time off, like I was vacationing and then I took a week off, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God, I have nothing to post. And like, it was this weird self-check, like, bitch, you are not defined by what you post online, but such a positive feedback loop for your ego, for your self-awareness and well-being and your value almost that it's a part mm-hmm. of our identity now is social media. Yeah. And I have to find myself being like, it's okay if you don't post for a fucking week and you don't get mm-hmm. followers and likes and whatever. And um, I think I would like to talk about that maybe as a podcast on a separate issue, but I think that mm-hmm. that's something that feeds into the grief of transitioning, like you said, is you know now yeah. your social network online has changed because hardcore powerlifters you know, may it be like treading triathlons isn't necessarily in our same <laughs> you know. genre. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm still an avid fan, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, at first it was a really big struggle and now it's just something more that I acknowledge, but it's, it's not so bad. Um, and I do like, it's almost like an addiction and you just need to get some distance from it. And then it's not so bad and it gets easier. Um, it's still hard just because I know that I loved it. I really loved it. And I like, it's the reason that I post a shitty deadlift video last week because like, man, remember what that was like. That was really cool. And still my shitty deadlift video, just because I used to be a good powerlifter, got more attention than anything that I've done in the past six months, really. Your first place. Except for like my your... race picture last oh yeah yeah <laughs> a second sorry in my heart yeah first <laughs> oh, first first in our hearts <laughs> yes so, with yeah, that, so like it's nice that it's kind of still there but I just have to keep uh getting better about accepting it it's just doesn't matter it you guys it it gets better guys it gets better okay it gets better yeah. I'm, I'm spending <laughs> a lot of time talking about this because I feel like it's important and people don't discuss it enough no, yeah, no one, no one leaves. And it, the other thing is like, for as important as someone may think that they are in powerlifting, the second you walk away, the clock is ticking to the time when everyone forgets about you. So if all you're known for is lifting, then that's, once you don't lift, that's all you're going to, then you're forgotten. Yeah. Um, so I think like, I was really lucky that, or not lucky, but like I did some other stuff. I baked my way through quarantine. I posted, I engaged with a lot of people and talked to a lot of people. And I think hopefully it was known for a little more than just like a lifting video. And I think that the carryover that I've had from the people that I met when I was lifting to the things that I'm doing now has been what it has been. It's been very good because I, you know, established a personality for myself. I'm like a life for myself outside of lifting, even though that was how it started I want to talk about your baking that's kind of I have a question (laughs) what are you doing now but when I wrote that question I meant like what are you doing with like baking and you're starting that Mm -hmm. business and so Emma posts like delicious like it's literally like a Betty Crocker network show like every day (laughs) you were baking something new and it was always delicious treats (laughs) oh last summer 
Yeah. That's what started. Yeah. I, uh, when, when my office, I was working in an office and we got sent home from for quarantine and, and COVID. And it was, I know I'm not being insensitive because I know a lot of people had a really hard time with that. I know you had a really hard time with that with your business getting shut down. For me, best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I did not like my office environment. I very much like to be at home on my own. And I started baking something every single day. And it was so much fun. And I just took pictures of it and put it up on my Instagram. And that was what it was. I would take them and I would like make something and then just go drop it off on the doorstep of a friend and leave. Um, And had the time of my life. And the only reason I had time to do that is because of COVID. I'm getting sent home. But now that I'm here in Florida, I'm not working in an office full time anywhere. I have the time to bake more. I don't have any friends here. So I can't just go drop the stuff off on anyone's porch. Um, but I've gotten into, I mean, selling it online. And now I have three farmers markets this week. So oh, nice. it's been super fun. Yeah. Plug it in your, uh, what's your online store? How does someone reach out to you for your treats? It is, oh gosh, well, it's so, I, this is a mistake and I should have just spelled it properly. So I don't have to explain how it's spelled, but it's called Wildflower Bakery, but Wildflower is spelled F-L-O-U-R. Like, okay, like baking flower. And, mm-hmm. and then bakery is with an I-E at the end because the one with the Y was taken. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it up, but. Okay, yeah, um, so it's wildflowerbakery.com or on Instagram, it's at wildflower underscore bakery. And that's where all the cookies go. It's cookies, um, primarily, 100% right now, that's for sale. And you could, and you ship them in cute little packages too. You ship them in cute little packages, yeah. yeah. Which, big mistake to set that precedent early because it's pretty expensive, but I do <laughs> think that it just looks so much better than throwing stuff in a box people will pay a premium they will they will (laughs) so I love it this kind of plays into like um this is like my eating disorder brain uh watching Mm -hmm. you bake all the time I'm like how the fuck does she not eat all of this and have because you have a history of eating disorder and I know we've talked about that talked about it yep and um yeah hard it was actually much easier for me uh, during quarantine. I was getting ready for meats and it's very easy for me to eliminate things from my diet. If I tell myself, if I set a rule and say, I'm not allowed to have this, I won't eat it. Uh, it's much harder for me like right now where I can eat whatever I want. So eating just a little bit of something, it, it's nearly impossible for me to not keep going. <laughs> Um, and I'm struggling with that right now, actually, just having a really hard time, like, no, I'm baking every day, and I'm, I'm having this every day, and I don't want to be, uh, but I know that, like, I go through these phases, and it'll get better, and I'll stop doing it, and I'll get some self-control, but it's definitely a struggle, um, so I, it helps me to, uh, everything goes in the freezer, or I don't make too much ahead of time, uh, it's helpful that, that Tony is very strict with what he eats, um, so he's a good, like, example, but yeah it's rough yeah I feel that I feel that (laughs) I mean I'm the same way when I'm in prep it's like that one track mind where nothing fucking matters and as soon as prep is over I'm like yes give me all of it (laughs) in large quantities exactly (laughs) yeah so my stomach hurts and then I don't feel good for like a week (laughs) yeah I think that's the balance I'm trying to find in life outside of prep I've um Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say convinced myself I've made the exception that 
I am an elite athlete. This is a part of my identity in my career. And mm-hmm. that can also live with my eating disorder. I can have an and. And as long as my right. practices aren't unhealthy, where I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like dieting, I'm on a meal plan that I eat mm-hmm. similar foods to aid in my performance. And that way I'm consistent with my training, my tracking, all of that. And actually I eat the same thing every day. So I don't have to track it. I don't measure it because that is a part of my ED. I don't weigh it or measure it. I just eyeball it. And I've measured it a couple of times and it's like close. So I'm like, that's fine. That's where you want it to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but when I'm off, I try to also live in the and world where I can still be an off-season athlete and I can have things that I like. And that non-restrictive attitude sometimes goes too far one way or I just, it it's a hard balance for, for sure. Yeah, it is a hard balance. Yeah, I think like being, being an athlete and, and an elite athlete at least where you really feel like it matters what you eat. It was very easy for me to say, okay, food is fuel and I'm going to eat good fuel and that's it. Now. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter that much. So I just, I make excuses for myself very easily uh, that I, that I don't want to make. And it is very compelling. Like it's, it's binge eating behavior. I'm eating when I don't want to be. Um, so it's definitely something that needs to get under control. Uh, it's not out of control. It's just something that I'm, I don't really love my relationship with my self-control, I guess right now. But um, like I'll do things like I'll, I'll make cookies and then eat cookie dough more than I want to. And then it's like, okay, well, for the rest of the day, I'm not having any carbs and I just eat chicken. And that's not healthy. Right. <laughs> I don't think that's healthy. Right. So it's, it's finding that balance again. And I definitely need to figure out, I need to, to figure out a rule for myself or give myself a reason to do better um, aside from health. Cause I don't do anything for health, especially not athletic, athletics. And I don't take care of myself. I do everything for a purpose that's competitive. So <laughs> that's yeah. It figure out how to attach that to something else. Yeah. And it's hard. I've been with an eating disorder therapist for like two and a half years and having that outlet to talk specifically about my food issues has been really helpful from someone who's a third party, well-educated uh, yeah. you know, woman who that is her specialty. So um, and it's been, I mean, I've had my eating disorder for like 15 years. It's still something I'm working yeah. through. I've still had, I've had like one relapse this year. I had a, uh, several during quarantine and that's life. <laughs> it is, it is. That's another thing that I, that I um, sort of went through when I lost a lot of the weight. Like I went from 198 to about 165 um, and that made me remember when I first started running and when I first started exercising it was very much to be small and I was meeting and I wanted to disappear I wanted to be light I wanted to be tiny um I had an eating disorder and losing a lot of weight again took me back there a little bit um like it felt good it felt better than it should to get on the scale and see that number falling um so again it's just you know recognizing what's healthy and what's not and, and just sort of figuring out for yourself how to move towards the healthier side is is a constant battle, but worthwhile one. Yeah, and you're tall. You're like five eleven, five nine, five nine. Okay, I was giving yeah. you more credit. <laughs> you're just, I'm yeah. just so short. Yeah. Everyone is fucking ginormous <laughs> to me. So yeah, I'm typically the tallest to meet, but not if like I think Kirsten's taller than me. I know Carrie's taller than me. There's a couple. 
Yeah, not and me. Way taller than me. Yeah, I handle. But yeah, not not pushing six feet. Um, so not an easy transition from that question because it's sad and depressing. But <laughs> I will transition anyways. But, but uh, we're smiling. It's fine. I know. Yeah, we're well, happy now. I think though it takes um, it takes a lot of maturity to be able to discuss your issues without making excuses for yourself. You know, like we can both just sit here and say, this mm-hmm. is hard and I struggle with this too. And yeah. that's important because not everything has to have a reason or a justification. It's just like, yeah, it fucking sucks. And sometimes I don't do the best that I wish I could. Yeah, which makes it feel a lot less disordered too. Like, cause I'm not hiding anything. I'm just like, hey, this is a struggle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, what changes would, as a reflection, maybe being out of the sport of powerlifting or in your current sport of ultra marathoning, what um, would you like to see if any changes that you could make? In powerlifting? Yeah, both sports. Or, oh, um, I don't know enough about triathlon. Okay. <laughs> to be determined. To anything. I just want to get better at it. Um, yeah. No, I think... I, I'm not embedded in that nearly enough. I'm just part of training. Uh, I mean, changes in powerlifting. My, um, do I want to open that door? Is it- <laughs> open it, girl. Knock, knock. Let's go. Um, I will start by saying that my opinion on this has changed recently uh, completely, but I think that the visibility of performance enhancing drugs specifically for women is a major stain on the sport. And I think it will keep it from ever being mainstream or taken seriously by anyone except other powerlifters. I think that the open discussion of drug use among elite powerlifting women is both a deterrent from young girls entering the sport as well as um, potentially encouraging young or newer lifters who should not even be considering doing something like that, uh, jumping into it way too early. I think there's way too much discussion about what drugs to take and at what doses and what is a responsible way to take drugs when there should be more discussion about what we talked about earlier, about what the side effects are and about how this is going to ruin your life, not ruin your life, but the, the real sacrifices that you're making um, with your health and, and your body when you, when you make that decision, um, that, that would be it for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I see that as twofold. I see the positive and that there's exposure and enlightenment to the fact that, mm-hmm. I mean, before I was at an elite level, unless you looked like an absolute, I'm going to say like freak, whatever, like super mm-hmm. non-achievable physique, we shall say, I had no yeah. idea that like, the majority of people at my level were already on drugs. <laughs> yeah. And not even a high level. Like if you walk right. into your everyday LA fitness, like most well, people are taking something. Yes. <laughs> you would never know. And I was like, yeah, I was like dumbfounded. And so I think that the enlightenment of like, um, it's not necessarily achievable or practical to think that a, a normie, whatever, can achieve such high level status without performance enhancing drugs. But also there are people who can Um, I think that that's good. I do think that there's a social responsibility aspect of stating that, yes, I do this. Yes, these are the drugs I take, blah, 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 because anyone that looks up to those people are going to be like, well, yes, I want to do that because so-and-so does that. Um, I've never discussed um, like um, types or dosages because I think that it's irresponsible. 
But Mm -hmm. thirdly, because of what you said, I think that there's an additional layer of stigma that women feel the need to define the fact that they're on PEDs more than men. Because men don't really talk about it. It's not like a question like, oh, are you on PEDs or are you not? But a woman has to like- Very casual. But it's like, you have to categorize yourself as yes, I'm an elite powerlifter and yes, I'm on PEDs. Where it's like a man, they don't say, well, are you taking performance enhancing drugs? Why is that? I'm very pressured to declare. Yeah. 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 And then once they do, then they're, they're discredited. Yeah. Um, which I don't know how to fix that. Cause I, I totally get the whole thing about like visibility means more information means less danger. means that path, but also on the other side, it's exposure for drugs, right. uh, which, which are illegal and which are stigmatized. Um, is that a stigma that we want to lift? Um, yes and no. I think like, and the stuff I hear about girls taking these days that are not, and based on what they're taking now will never be at elite levels of lifting, it blows my mind. Yeah. Like it's crazy. I, it's, it's sad, it makes me very sad. Yeah. But, I don't know if that's a result of the conversation being more public or if it's like, it's a chicken in the egg thing. Yeah. And also the sport is growing at a rapid rate. It's hard to say, but I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think I would have correlated that. Um, I wouldn't have made that connection so much with like, I think it's, I look at it as more of a positive thing as people are talking about it more, but I now see, you know, taking into your point that, exposure means more people yeah. that know about it they might have not have and now you're and perpetuating that's where i started is like this should be talked about because it's hidden and, and it's people are looking down on it and they don't understand it and like we need to defend ourselves as PD using athletes that are women but now also like i think that elite athletes are now celebrities and they're influencers and they say things and people listen to them and the things that they say are not necessarily the things people are hearing so if someone's talking about use PEDs responsibly or whatever. So then someone hears, they just see their favorite influencer saying use PEDs. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what they say. It's just that someone they like is talking about drug use and they're like, yep, drug use. And so you've written articles on this. I did, yeah, last year. Um, I just did, popped up in my time hop that it was like a year ago. I did a whole survey on asking uh, powerlifting women about their PD usage and published the, the survey results very straightforwardly. Most I don't think I really wrote too much in that one. It was just like a reporting of results. And I have mixed feelings now on if whether I kind of regret doing that because it was people talking about specific things they were taking. Um, there were some surprising, like sad things in there about uh, what they were taking. And I, I see now that in their own hands, that information can be used um, as an instruction manual. And I hate that. that was I your don't intent. think that that's, I think that that was irresponsible of me, yeah. But also, I mean, people are gonna find the, I, I also think of devil's advocate with what you said, is there isn't um, publicized straightforward information, especially for women, there's forums yeah. and bro science on bro science on bro science for men. 
And I mean, if a woman is really trying to research and find information, it's difficult. So what you can Mm -hmm. do mostly is rely on other people's experiences. I mean, I remember when I was first looking, I like found this chick's like log of like what she did and she like detailed all the side effects and I read it. And um, so I I think it can be twofold because people are going to look, if someone wants to find it, they're going to find it anyways. Yeah, but I see the the fact that you feel a social responsibility for putting it out there. Yeah, it's just you know you can't control whose hands it gets into. So whether it's you want it to get into the right people's hands that are going to take it as uh, just pure information and and whatever. But there's going to be some people. And honestly, if someone is looking for there's a bug. If someone's looking for an excuse to to use drugs, it doesn't have to be my article that does it. It's going to be anything. They're going to find a reason. If if they want to do it, they're going to fucking do it. And uh, they'll justify it anyway. Yeah, I talk more people out of it than I do help someone with um, information, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, that's how it should be. Um, I, I wouldn't say discourage people. I would just say like, well, yeah, discourage people, but don't shame them yes we all made that decision absolutely um you know it's such a such a tricky thing to navigate because yeah. i don't want to be a hypocrite obviously into the 80s yeah uh, but there was a lot of stuff that i didn't know going in but, but I wish I had. so it could it could be taken both ways yeah with i'm sure that. it has <laughs> Um, we kind of touched on what advice would you give someone to getting into athletics? Like, I think the biggest hallmark you said was always reflect on what you told yourself when you first started, you know, keep that in mind throughout your career is what were your intentions when you started and granted that's going to evolve and change, but maybe like the hard lines you set for yourself, you know, and always know that it might not be forever. So it take, don't take it for granted too. Yeah. It most likely will not be forever. Most yeah. people don't do forever. You get beat up. Yeah. I mean, how many sure. eight-year-olds do you see in powerlifting meets? Like one in your career? <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. And then they and get a on hero. CNN. Yeah. For lifting yeah. 135 pounds. <laughs> exactly. I bet there's this uh, 76-year-old female bodybuilder. It's an older Black lady. And she's uh-huh. been on. Oh, I think I know. I've been sent that article like a hundred times by like my friends and family. Like, yeah, I got this three years ago. Yep. I know she's 77 now. Yep. Like, not, yeah. yeah. And I mean, good oh, it's for her. Again? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't need to know every time. Yeah. There was some lady who just like, she, she ran, she, she set the record, but she set the record because she's literally the only person in her age group at a hundred years old that Damn. ran like, a uh, hundred yards or something like some track distance They're like oh she's got the world record uh, for the hundred and hundred years old plus age group and she's the only one but she's first I'm like man that's incredible really like that she is moving and running and, yeah but she's literally the only one so yeah. not likely for the rest of us yeah there's a bell curve and the majority of people are not outliers yeah no um what are your like I put as my final question new horizons and relationships and we didn't really talk about you and Tony um yeah he's not there (laughs) um what's coming up let's see well he so a lot really I mean faking stuff and then Tony is starting his last um 
his last semester of grad school. Uh, he just took his last final yesterday um, for this semester. One more semester left until he gets his master's and then we will be moving to his PhD program wherever he chooses that to be. Nice. Um, he's looking at Kentucky, Oklahoma, or Colorado. And in the meantime, I am applying to the MFA programs at those schools as well so that I can get my master's in arts and creative writing, nice. um, which I'm super excited about and very eager to get the ball rolling on. It's been a lot of fun, like getting writing samples together and getting recommendations. And I fucking love school and I couldn't do it for a very long time because I was the single parent had to make money and, and needed to be busy all the time with lifting and kids stuff and work stuff. And now I have time and it's like, I'm so fortunate to be able to uh, take a step back from how busy life can get and, and look at what I really want to be doing. And, and this is the side, speaking of looking back, like this is the stuff that I would have wanted to do when I was, you know, 22 coming out of, out of grad school. And now I, I get the chance to do it. So patience, certainly. Yes, it's never too late revisiting. to follow your dreams. Yeah, exactly. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I always bitch about that I was in college for nine years to get my doctorate and I'm still like <laughs> continuing school. Now I'm getting another degree for, uh, it's like when you, I don't know. Uh, yeah, for canine yeah, recap. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but oh. it, it never stops if you want to keep growing. Yeah, not at all. I mean, you can't, otherwise you just end up working in an office and the only time you have fun is when you get sent home for quarantine. <laughs> Right. But quarantine changed a lot of people's lives and it really impacted you positively. And even though we had a hard time here with the gym and I personally had a very depressive hard time, which I know a lot of people did. It honestly was, it was great for us. Like we ended up being able to expand and, um, although we were closed. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't be happier with the way everything is here. You're a grand opening party, by the way, those videos were fucking hilarious. It got fucking crazy. I'm surprised no one. Well, my one person got hurt. My uh, best friend, she like felt flat on her face, and I'm so surprised she did not see that. No, no, Jenna got knocked over um, in the mosh. She got, she got like, yeah. yeah. No, Allie, she was real drunk, and That's she was so like funny. playing tag and tag the concrete with her nose. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I think, but like, what I think is so cool is like, you and I uh, lived in different parts of the country. I knew you were from the same place I was from. Powerlifting brought us together. Now I would say we're friends. And, um, you know, my favorite part about this, by the way, is the first time I talked to you and for a long time talking to you, like, I just want to, I want to bench like you someday. And that's why I was like benching 300 or something. I was like, oh, I wanted that thing. I want to wish I could do that. I'm like, oh, you will. And I remember specifically saying that you're going to bench more than me one day. And look at you now. Mm-hmm. World record buncher, 350 pounds at 165. Let's go. Come a long way. I know, right? <laughs> Little girls growing up. Just so cool. But I I enjoy who you are and your spirit. And if you're not following Emma, please do. It's Jarman. That's how you say your last name? Yeah. Emma Jarman, Emma the Stallion on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I will tag her. And I think it was, it was cool for me that you accepted to do this as my first like formal interview, because I only will bring people who I feel like have something to bring to my audience and you do. And 
I really appreciate that. Way to make me feel good after feeling like I'm not as significant. You are, you are. You made an <laughs> impact. And I think it's important for people to see the entire continuum and see that you're not going to be a couch potato, dilapidated. You can take a negative no, experience yeah. and turn it into something else. There's life after literally everything. Yes, so. yes. And you can do it too. All right. Well, we're going to sign off. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you.